This is Critical Nonsense, your high-low browser about culture, science, and tech. This week, Aaron and Joey talk about the Goldilocks zone of weird. hear what this pod sounds like a joey that's what an aaron sounds like <laughs> this morning Thank yeah you and we'll see that. we'll see how this goes because there's no executive producer and limp biscuit jess vander here this week it is just aaron and i and in addition to that we are uh we're doing a speed we're doing critical nonsense a la speed dating methodology kind of <laughs> you probably already saw that the episode is only 15-ish minutes or however short this is. So, listeners, this is going to be a, a micro, uh, a micro for your ear holes. This is our gift to you. Because Aaron and I talked for an hour instead of recording an episode and found us ourselves where we are. <laughs> um, Aaron, question. Joey, answer. I saw something recently that was, some, someone just said it was a shower thought of normal behavior is forgotten only weird behavior survives but i was thinking about some of my own neuroses and you know self-flagellation in my Mm -hmm. internal monologue Mm -hmm. about my peculiarities and and sort of sharp edges and things like that and it's got me into this mode of thinking about whether there is a Goldilocks zone of weirdness mm-hmm. or <laughs> a way of being weird that feels like you can navigate through the normal maybe. Mm-hmm. And so my question for you, Aaron is where is the Goldilocks zone of weird? Man, first of all, I love me a good open-ended question and that hang a wreath on it. That's it. That was a real, <laughs> I like that one. Second is I use that response to highlight the fact that like I'm biased in my way that I think about this because I actually find joy and I I find joy personally, socially and in ideas in things that are always tr- just like bouncing around in that to try to figure it out. Um I love weird. I am weird. I don't consider myself normal and I think Again, just kind of disclosing biases and things like that. I think that anyone who agrees to not value fitting in to some degree believes in, well, I guess they believe in weird. They may not wonder where the Goldilocks zone of weird is. Um, When it comes to that, though, I think that that gets a little bit, I'll, I'll throw that out there as like a little bit of a hot take. I do think the idea of a Goldilocks zone is potentially as dangerous as the idea of norms, of normalities, right? Okay. So getting well, spicy. Well, well. I mean, and I think uh I think that when when let's take for example um let's take for example automotive design. And of course I'm gonna make it shall we like, shall we for a moment? Please get into my Ford Pinto. I think that there are certain I think design is a great example of when we think of weird as just unexpected, regardless of intent, regardless of, I think, the way that it's delivered itself. 
it's valuable because it just disrupts you how you think you're going to interact with something. And so the reason to bring up automotive design is because there are a lot of ways that cars are designed, quote unquote, normally. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then there are, quote unquote, weird features like considering women in cars and things that might be very helpful assuming a woman is in the driver's seat. This is also getting very binary. I want to call that out. Um, The reason I bring it up is because the auto industry, I think, has taken some strides over the past 10, 15 years to be a little bit more cognizant of those changes. Mm -hmm. I think that those, I think weird carries a lot of baggage with it. However, I don't think that any, I think that every well-meaning person would understand that that's actually about making it more accessible and actually designing Mm -hmm. something for more people. And so I don't know that it's, I guess that's not enforcing the idea that (laughs) that weird is as bad as normal or that the Goldilocks zone is as bad as normal, but I think that it fundamentally has virtues that require disruption. Ooh, this is a 15-minute episode. Yeah, I think the, it makes me think about things that we have in our language or ideas that we have in culture that sort of embrace weird. And then you simultaneously, right? If, if someone's talking about realness or authenticity or those types of ideas, some of what they're implying or often is implied in those conversations is to accept the components of someone that may fit outside of normal in like a mathematical sense of like the middle, the average. Um, Whereas, you know, if we talk about like traditional uses of like queerness or even, even contemporary uses of queerness, right? Like the idea is that it is like characteristics or behaviors or whatever it is that are statistically not in the norm. And you can see where uh, conversations get applied, both of like being desired to be uh, weird in some capacity, even if we're not using that term, like weird itself, like you said, sort of feels like potentially in like the negative side, like this behavior, this characteristic is unusual in a way that makes me feel a certain way. But even in that, right, like this, this shower thought that I saw of like, is, you know, is kind of getting at the idea of like, is it better to be normal and forgotten or weird and remembered, Uh, you know, weird being like outside of the cluster of normal behaviors. And, and I was talking to someone at the company last week, Alana, and I was, we were just having like a, a off, nothing related to work type of conversation. And at some point it came up, I was like, I most of the time just feel like I'm a lot and I'm trying to like turn down the volume and modulate my behaviors and work from the assumptions that I'm too much. And Mm -hmm. and so I'm not like, I'm trying to tamp down any of the weirdness because I feel like there's so much overflowing all Mm -hmm. the time. And, and she was like, I don't feel like you're a lot, you're a lot of things, but I don't feel like you're a lot. And I was like, Huh, like that that's where that idea of like, is there a Goldilocks zone? How do you find it? Like 
where, where do you like let all the color, you know, even in like the multi hyphenate world, it's like, mm-hmm. I'll be like this part of myself over here and I'll be this part of myself over there. And, and then I can be my full self in like a distributed sense. And I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Well, I think it's really important to recognize that different situations benefit from different energies. I mean, like I said the other day that, um, you know, that there are some people who enter any conversation and turn it into a party. And like that can mean a lot of different things. That can mean that like the focus comes on them. That can mean that they like they they change, they elevate the energy of the room. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what's like couched in that, though, is that like. When when we when when one brings weird into the room, there are certain rooms that need that energy. They need that shift and they need that license in order to Mm. open up and bring different energy themselves into the room. Um, And there are some rooms that are tolerant of that, and there are others that are not, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a whole span of, like, I think, tolerances within those different types of rooms. Mm. So, like, that's where, like, the... I I like that 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 has the assumption that everyone has weird, right? I think, yeah, everyone everyone fundamentally has weird. Even those people, like there is no, you know, the limit does not exist. <laughs> there is no absolute zero, whatever. There's always someone who's got like even a modicum of weird to them. And if you create zones that foster or hinder that, or you can, or excuse me, if you as a contributor to every space that you're in, think about whether or not you change the tolerance in that room, I think you also create for yourself a greater sense of license and you get to tamp down the voice. Because the mm-hmm. voice can just say, like, you know, maybe it's not being too much or too little, but it's actually about just how you want to show up in the moment. And then if people want to meet you there, cool. If they don't, oh, well. And, I mean, I'm <laughs> also saying this is like, yeah, I'm saying this is like, A, being highly caffeinated right now uh, and trying to dial it back, which is maybe why I'm talking not as fast as I think. But, secondly, I think that, it is very, very, um, I think the self-flagellation can be such a distraction and not improve anything. And I've seen so much value in rooms when I choose. And I think all of us during the, like the, the, the throes of the pandemic saw this. When we let go of those things that basically you know, had us show up in work a certain way or in certain environments a certain way, we let more of that go and just saw each other's hearts and say, this is a hard moment that we're going through. Where are you right now? And that onion was just completely obliterated for a while. I think we were all better for it. I, I mm-hmm. think that we collect as a collective, we were better for it. Even if it was harder to face those emotions. I think Jess would be really proud of me right now because I think mm, mm, what mm. you are saying mm. is that weird is a form of intimacy. Wow. Yeah. I I I think that that is a mo that is a lens through which weird is not appreciated often enough. And I think that damn, it's so it's not even a mode, it's just like a truth of weird. I think that's a great way to put it. I think that when you create a sense of intimacy through weird, man, you can change the dynamic of a room and what you can mm-hmm. experience and if necessary create really powerfully. 
Yeah. I it, it in my head I'm seeing like a radar chart with mm. like a, an unlabeled radar chart but like at some point like if you looked at all of your behaviors, right? Like anywhere that it exists beyond a certain line is like your weirdness, like your your spikiness, like everyone's a little bit of a starburst on a a radar chart. Uh and the idea that like everyone's spiky somewhere and if you yeah. feel like you can you know it is like the sort of accretive nature of like the one plus one equals three nature of like if everyone's weird gets to show up like that whole radar chart is like filled out to the brim if you have like enough people in a space but if you're like no one can cross this like whatever mm-hmm. threshold that we've determined like you can't be more than a three on anything right. then like the the room is smaller, like the people, the ideas, the thoughts, the nature of the room is smaller, you know, in, in a metaphorical sense. And and I love this has always been my personality. I love seeing the people who think that like I am not allowed to break three in any way. And I wouldn't say that this falls in the weird camp. I think I can fall like in that, but I think I like to push for joy. I like to push for humanity. And that's how I break rooms. But like if I find someone who like the best example is someone who doesn't like to laugh or is like tends not to laugh, you know I'm going to figure out what makes you laugh. (laughs) By the end of an hour, I'm going to figure out what at least makes you chuckle. And I'm going to give you dad jokes. I'm going to give you intellectual jokes. I'm going to give you something because the second that I crack that smile in you, intimacy is created. We've gone beyond what's just in our minds, and I've found that there's like a handshake. I think weirdness can do the same thing more powerfully, more quickly. It just takes mm-hmm. a little bit more guts to like break the norm just a little bit and like let someone let someone into the weird thing that you talked about with someone, you know, say. The worst that can happen is something horrible, but also the best that can happen is that you create a new level of like unity that can't really be forged that quickly or be that durable in any other way. That's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we should do our wrap-up corner. (laughs) My name is Aaron Powers, and I'm here to make it queer. Okay, yes. Oh, (laughs) different type of wrap-up. I see. I see. I I thought that I was doing liberation uh, hip-hop. Okay, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're here to make it queer is relevant to this wrap-up corner because I think where we've netted out it's interesting we haven't talked about being remembered at all in this. I think that mm, aspect mm. of the shower thought is something that neither of us seem to glom <laughs> on to, right? Like it's not, it's not why I'm thinking about weirdness to leave a legacy. But what I think we have identified is that the ability to make space for your own weird, for other people's weird, is a form of intimacy. It's a form of sharing your spiked edges and not rounding them down. And that any space in which you are enabling the weird, that you can have an open mind, is probably a happier, healthier space. Man, if I had a pair of wood blocks to indicate how tight that wrap-up corner is... (laughs) I would probably clap, clap, use them. Clap, clap, clap. I, I was going to the whole thing was going to happen, and then I was going to say nothing. We go to the credits, but no, I, I, it's oh, great. Damn it. I love it. I blew it. <laughs> oh man! 
Critical Nonsense is a Sylvain production. Brought to you by rules. You must follow them. <laughs> Do not be weird. <laughs> Goodbye. As always, we'd like to thank our executive producer and champion of how weird vanilla really is, Jess Vander. We'd also like to thank sound engineer and like, I think Goldilocks in general, Alex Conte. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank our programming coordinator and master of weird music, Les Jacobs. And if we might, Nora Mestrich, Sarah Gilbert, isn't it weird? For you to be our production crew. Thank you, both. <laughs> and as always, thanks, Alain. Thanks, Hanson. Special thanks. Special thanks. <laughs> <Hansen. laughs> yeah, Hanson. <laughs> That's right. Um, I want to thank uh, Alex Contel for editing this episode as uh, I have recorded Critical Nonsense Alfresco on my back porch. And so I hope that you've all enjoyed all of my neighbor's parrots tweet, and tweet. whatnot in the background. Thanks also, Alex. <laughs> I mean, maybe... That's a little bit of weird for this episode. And someone didn't get to this part. They shut it down after the credits. They didn't know that special thanks happen after the credits. And they're saying, that was weird. And we're saying, yeah, you're welcome. Gosh. You know what? You're right. And speaking of which, thank you to CD compilations (laughs) Um, from from a while ago. That's what I call a special thanks. (laughs) Oh, that was good. Oh, you spiked that one. You picked it up and you threw it down. Because, I mean, like, Hanson definitely showed up on a WoW compilation. But it's not the WoW 115 or WoW Dad Party Jams that just plays, like, Nickelback now. Um, it was, like, in the original CBS 10. CBS Bangers. Do you yeah. remember the CBS Bangers mixtape oh, on SoundCloud? No, and I need to check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. We got to put it in the show notes. If, if we can find it, it was just, like, Yacht Rock, but... Like that you would hear in CVS, and they'd just be like, burr, 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 and the guy coming over the like the top being like CVS bangers, and it'd be like, uh, I've been dreaming <laughs> of a girl like you right. to That's come right. into my life. <laughs> there are moments like this where, first of all, this is a plug for Only Murders in the Building because it's awesome. But also, this is a time where I'm pretty sure you and I are Steve Martin and Martin Short and Jess is Selena Gomez, and we're the olds talking about 90s stuff. <laughs> and Jess is like, what are you guys, like, really, guys? We're going to do that again? Um, but I will also drop the Pure Moods intro into the show notes, because yes, <laughs> duh. Duh, duh. Sail away, sail away, sail away. Ooh, ah, ooh. It's so good. Sail away. Uh, what, it was like, If you are not singing along on your subway or in your car or while you're cooking right now, a you're a bad person. to innocence. God. Uh, I just remember that it was like return to innocence and then sail away, like two yes. Enya songs, like back to back in the, yes. co- the commercial on MTV. And also the X-Files like techno remix, because that's when all we listened to was club music in the middle of the day. Like another, yep. not another, like name the song. For some reason, we're at like Real a McCoy. club in. Yeah. <laughs> you can literally name any of those songs. And it's like, no, I listened to that at two o'clock in the afternoon at, at, at school. Like that's what I was doing. And it's okay. If I can, if I can wrap a special thanks here, oh, yeah, Aaron, you will love this. this. I have been 
being forced to listen to three songs on our bike ride to school every day from my daughter. I'm ready. Uh, no More I Love Yous by Annie Lennox. Oh, yes. Please Forgive Me by David Gray. Mm-hmm. Great percussion. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, Stay by Lisa Loeb, Yo. which is why I sang it at the beginning because it was in my head because she's like, they ju- they're just like songs that come on after you play something yeah. on Spotify, like the next ones. And she's like, nope, that I like that one. I don't like, listen like, hard. Actually, I, I don't like pay attention too. to the distance that you're running to anyone anywhere. I don't understand what you really care. I'm only hearing negative. No, 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 bad. No, no, no. Um, well, turn the radio on. Okay, it. that was it. We did it. Uh, I think our special <laughs> thanks were longer than the episode. Also, thank you, Lisa Loeb. Brown University class of 1996 or seven. She was like a couple years before Duncan Sheik. I think it was class of 98. But listen, alma mater, big ups. Good stuff. Let's go. All right. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Are we recording? Rolling numbers? Rolling numbers. All All good.